There's Jerry, Lisa, is he here? Who else has praise to share this morning? Yes. Jerry, go ahead, buddy. I had a real good day at work on Thursday. And then Friday, I did not hit a leg at work, but I got a bunch of yard work done. I got a lot of stuff caught up. Real productive. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yard work. Takes a real man to praise the Lord for yard work. <laughs> Larissa, your hand was up. Watching Lane and Josh catch fish was like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were like, you could tell it just made both their days. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool. We had to put one of the animals calendar next week to go back. Yeah. <laughs> that was his request. Yeah, Lane was so cute. I'm glad he got blessed. He said it was the first time fishing. I don't know if that, that was, was true, but yeah, that was, was his first time. That was pretty cool. God, God knew it. Caught two. He blessed him with Caught two of them. And then blessed him with the fishing boats, and that's all we hear now. That was good. I'm feeling better than they know what's wrong with me. But when at night I went to the garden yesterday, it was been so beautiful. But I wear for a while, I get tired, so I get get used to that. Get tired really quick. But as Teresa was saying, the Lord makes sure never let you know all these years what was wrong. <laughs> Knowing what's wrong doesn't fix what's wrong, but yeah. at least so at least you could all these years without knowing things. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have another praise. What's your praise? Uh, that my niece, Peyton, I mean, that she went, I mean, yeah. sad she went through everything she went through, but to find out that it's just like a fungal infection that they can treat with antibiotics and not cancer and not TB and nothing serious. Amen. Like, that was uh, amazing. And she, she's what, 12? Yeah, that is amazing. And thank God for your mom. She's an awesome grandma. She stayed at the hospital with her in isolation and everything. So. Yeah. Francis did. And that's the only um, God talk they've probably heard the whole time they were there. And so God's using my mom. Yeah. She's not quiet about it. <laughs> she's not quiet. She's passing out bracelets. <laughs> she's passing out bracelets to everybody and praying with everybody. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, that's... Her being saved one year birthday is saying, right? Your mom? I'm not sure. It could be. March or April. Bunch of good things going on. Who else? Brenda. I found out my youngest daughter that's already got two grandbabies is pregnant with a third. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. She's very <coughs> I have a grace. But Vicky was first. Go ahead. Well, we were going to be here for the medical thing yesterday, but then phone rang and we had to go take care of other things. But with taking care of the other things, Andrew and Amber were involved in that and we were there and uh, our little grandson, Micah, we spent a good part of the day with him. And he is, he is a, uh, I don't envy them at all. I, they, they have, they get the job of handling him. And believe me, he is a handful. But he is such a little delight that it was just amazing watching, just watching him be himself. 
he's quite a kid. We get to enjoy him. And, it, and send him back. But he's we're not allowed to even have sugar sweetened cereal. My grandkids could have cake for breakfast, jump on the <laughs> jump off the coffee table onto the couch and do whatever they wanted. And the hyper they more hyper they were, the better because they got to go home. Well, <laughs> being the youngest of as many as I was, many of my nieces and nephews were older than me so i'm the kid but they're the grandkids that's weird and i'm you know i'm in that group too but uh, i'm not treated the same not even close so i expect the lord used that to teach me some things along the way i'm not sure what they were but but i'm through it so, who else? Vicki. I'd just like to praise God for our church family and our regular family and, our, and my friends. And just that I'm really, really, truly blessed. It took a long time to get to this stage in my life. And I thought, you know, wow, I'm really going to be old. That's going to be kind of sad. But it's really not about that. It's. I've got so many blessings surrounding me that I don't even see the age part. It's just a number. Well, Vicki, you were ready to have a church family. You were ready for a lot of different things. I remember when, after 25 years, Buck called his new wife. And there was no hesitation. She, Yeah, she said yes. <laughs> About 10 he kept telling me every time we passed by here, I know that guy. He comes to Kilgore all the time. He's a contractor, but he's a pastor of that church. I said, why don't we go there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More than necessary, according to my plan, but God's timing is never late and it's never early. So yeah. I'm going to say right on time. Yeah. Well, you were ready. And so that's good. We are blessed way more than we know. I hope you're starting to realize that. Glenn? I just want to say, uh, I want to praise that my mama went to be with Jesus and she was happy to go, ready to go. She's not in pain anymore. Yeah. So. Who else has a praise, though? Josh? I praise the Lord. We get to go fishing the other day. Yeah. And uh, Lane got to catch two trout. And the kids, the big, the big praise, we went fishing and the kids behaved. They were calm. They were patient. Oh, yeah. She then didn't catch a thing, but she sat there just patient as can be the whole time. Oh, it was the first time we've gone fishing that happened. So I'm praise the Lord for teaching them that. Let us have a good time out there. We go back out there for whatever reason, that uh, end where the, all the junk is growing around, well, that's where the fish are. And when Nathan got there, he said, no, you got to tighten up your drag. And then when they hit, you got to drag them over quick. And so we went down and caught two more bigger ones. But uh, it's a it's definitely a trick to, to get them through that brush and get them up once they do hit. But they were in there. So we had good we had a good time with it. It was a beautiful day to be out in the sunshine. It was. That's all that's just the best part, I think. And it was a praise too. Kaylin is scared of water. Like oh. she is Petrified to get too close to water. Yeah. And she sat, she was told me, she goes, I don't want to get close to that. She said, just sit right here by me. 
And then once she sat down and she calmed down, things were okay. But I was like, this could go really bad really quick. Like, you could be sitting up by the truck. So it may so, not have been patience. It may have been petrification. It was a little bit petrified, yeah. But it worked out. So Good. Did she see the sign, the warning sign about alligators? Yeah, that doesn't bother her. She likes that stuff. She's just scared of the water. She's scared she's going to fall in, and she has no idea how to swim. So... Swimming lessons. Yeah, we're, we're working on that. She doesn't want to do that either because she's so scared of the water. Yeah. 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 We're going to do that. Yeah. 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 Well, give her a choice. You can you can take lessons. It'd be easy, or we can do it the John Wayne style. Choke you in there. Swim or sink. I'm not about my grandpa. Yeah. Praise us. Lisa. I want to praise the Lord for this church and for the training we got there yesterday. Amen. I figure when that happens, it's a, I'm going to be the one on the floor, probably. So <laughs> y'all can jump on my chest and make it work. Well, Alexis would be the one to ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she did it to her mom yesterday. She almost took the air out of me. <laughs> and dropped to the floor. She had her chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they made me drop to the floor <laughs> to show her what it would be like. Yeah. Well, she did a good job. Well, I wasn't too I wasn't too disappointed that I had to leave because getting up and down off the floor now to me is torture. Amen. It's just torture now. So, it is what it is. Who else got any more praises? Yeah. Glenn. We got a little little work to do, so... Uh, Amen. Looking forward to a good month, I hope. Amen. Well, I praise the Lord for your faithfulness. You are here and ready to learn. And hopefully we can learn a couple of things. There's a couple of things in Chapter 7 that I wanted to just kind of go back and reread and just point out. I was just kind of skimming through here looking for practical application. Practical application is the... Part of the scriptures, if you can get a hold of it, we know that what Jesus said was to the Pharisees, and we know that what Nicodemus said was to the Pharisees, and we know that the miracles Jesus did, what the purpose they served. But sometimes, right in the middle of all this, you'll see something that is absolutely to all of us, and we don't want to miss. And verse 18 is one of them. This is one of the things that seems to take a while to learn. Jesus said, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus wasn't seeking his own glory in chapter 7 with the things that he said and what he taught. He was seeking glory for the Father. What he said is a basic principle of life. And you all know people who, who love to talk about themselves. Yes. Just remember what it says. He that speaketh of himself is seeking his own glory. And if you learn this and you see it in others and understand that this is the word of God and this is what should apply to us, I'll guarantee you, it will quieten you down. Yeah. I learned this lesson last week because Calista led a worship song at church. I really wanted to, her to record it so I could see her. And she was afterwards, I was like, did you record it? Did you record it? She's like, 
mom, it's not about me. I was like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not <about> you. <laughs> Amen. And the other thing that I wanted to bring to your attention is over here in verse 37 and 38. And Jesus said, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying. Now, Jesus didn't do a lot of crying. And we're not talking about tears here. We're talking about speaking out loudly. He didn't do a lot of that. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John did us a favor because there's not a one of us, including me, that would have any idea what that was talking about if he hadn't explained it. But he did. He said, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Do you know when these Christians that were following Jesus, do you know when they did receive the Spirit of God indwelling in them like we have today? Do you know when it happened? It'd be good to know. When did it happen, Jerry? I thought scripture told us. I don't remember where it is, but I thought they were, they were all standing around. The spirit came in the room. It was not on Pentecost. That's what you're going to hear everywhere. But it wasn't on Pentecost. Pentecost had something to do with the spirit, but what was it? There's two or three adjectives that describe things that happen with and of and by the spirit. One of them is talked about here. It's talked about, it says, they that believe on him should receive. One of them is to receive the Spirit. Another is baptism in the Spirit. I was talking to a fellow yesterday about the Lord, and he's supposed to be here today. We'll see if he makes it, and I think he will. But he was talking about, and he had been taught that that he should be baptized by the Spirit. And I said, would it be of interest to you to know that the Holy Spirit has never baptized anyone, ever? Amen. He looked at me curiously, and I explained that to him. But, but in John chapter 20, when Jesus had risen from the dead, and he had met the Mary at the at the gravesite, and he ascended into heaven, and came back. And then that evening, the disciples were. Uh, well, let me just read it to you. This is John chapter twenty, verse nineteen. Then the same day at evening, when being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And now get this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
What do you think would happen if Jesus came into the room where several people were assembled? Maybe a dozen, maybe 120, it doesn't matter. And he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. What do you think would happen? They would receive the Spirit of God. Do you think at that point everyone received the Holy Ghost? Everyone that was in that room. But what about the other people who trusted that he died? When did they receive it? New believers from that point on received the Spirit. The others, I'm not really sure. I just know they did. But I know where these disciples received the Spirit, and I know when. This was the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. It was on Sunday. And he came into the room where they were. Now, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus talks about the promise that John the Baptist made. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That particular time was the upcoming day of Pentecost, 50 days. That chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Who was in one accord in one place? But who, who are they? They're just disciples? They were the church. They were the legitimate one and only church there was in existence. There was no other. And uh, you know what happened? A sound from heaven, rushing mighty wind, filled the house where they were sitting. John says in verse 8, Jesus was quoting back what John had taught them. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, he was taken up. So who is this baptism that he's talking about? Who's going to do that baptizing? Jesus himself. That's what John said. The one standing among you whose shoes are, you know, you don't know who he is, but he is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, you know, we think of baptism by water. That's the only kind of baptism there is that goes on in the church. In this particular first time, this empowerment that the Lord gave the church, Jesus is the baptizer. The Spirit is the element into which they are baptized. And how did it work? Well, They're in a room. The room is closed. The Spirit entered the room and filled it completely. The church was immersed in the Spirit at that moment. And then the third element that you hear about, they received the Spirit back in John 20. They were baptized in the Spirit right here in Acts chapter 2. And also here in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You can receive the Spirit by getting saved. And the Spirit will come into you and stay there forever. Baptism with the Spirit is something that the first church received and then the power that came from it was passed down to every church from that time. That's why we have power with the gospel and with the word of God today. 
But the filling of the Spirit is altogether different. What's that like? And can that happen to us today? Well, when we speak, when we preach, the, the Spirit uh, speaks to us or the Word of God. What does filling of the Spirit mean? Doing God's will. Filling your life with Good thing. If you drink a lot of wine, what happens to you? You're filled with wine. The wine takes control. You speak in control. You say stupid things. The Bible says, "Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." It's the Spirit taking control. That's a good thing, by the way, and that's something that every Christian ought to experience. It doesn't mean you're going to slap people on the head and they'll fall down and get up and healed when they couldn't walk before. It doesn't mean any of the things that men have tried to make it mean about themselves. I've seen it many times when I've taught a Bible class and when that light bulb comes on in the student, I know that control of the Spirit is taking place. Pretty wonderful thing to happen to you. All right, now back to John 7. I wanted to just address that for a little bit. And now we're going to go into John chapter 8. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came into the again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. So he's in the temple. He's seated. And he taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that he, they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now there's a controversy about that. What did Jesus write on the ground? He was teaching the people. These others came in with this woman and interrupted him. But Jesus kept right on doing what he was doing. He was teaching them. So what did Jesus write on the ground? I'm pretty sure that he went on teaching whatever he was teaching when they came in and interrupted him. And I don't think that he wrote some spectacular saying or something like that on the ground. He was just in the middle of teaching, and he kept on doing it. So when they had continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He went right back to the lesson that they had interrupted. And they which heard it, being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was alone, was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none, but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Does that remind you of anything that statement has no man condemned thee I'll, I'll be uh, nice today and not make you guess I'll just turn back and read you what it reminds me of 
We all know John 3.16. But do you know John 3.17? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. She was already condemned. She didn't need condemnation. She needed salvation. Well, we'll stop with verse 11. No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Uh, It seems like it would be wise for us to look at what they were trying to quote to Jesus. Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Uh, Look in your Bibles at Leviticus chapter 20. Anybody find it yet? Look in verse 10 and read 10 through 12. Okay. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. Okay. Somebody go to uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 22, verse 22. 22, 22. 22. All right, Lisa, I guess you're the fastest today. You want the sword drill. <laughs> Deuteronomy 22, 22. Just read that verse 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. Okay. What does that tell you about what happened here in John chapter 8? They, they were more than willing to execute the woman. But the man was not brought before the... Yeah, where's the guy? Pretty hard to commit adultery by yourself. He's he's not there. What does that say for this crowd? He might be in the crowd. I I don't know about that. If I was him, I wouldn't be. But (laughs) what kind of a label did he place on the Pharisees? This. this is John chapter 8. At the end of the chapter, Jesus has quite a conversation with the Pharisees. I mean, what was the whole point of the law? Was that they couldn't keep it? That was the whole point of the law. Well, yeah, but this particular law, they were trying, claiming to keep, but they weren't, were they? No, they were, they were what Jesus said they were. They were hypocrites. Here's what he said to the same bunch in verse 44. He said, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. In one of the commentaries I read on this, the comment was made that that Jesus kept both the Jewish law and the Roman law here. What was the Roman law regarding these Pharisees? Was it legal for them to put someone to death? No. Not by Roman law, it wasn't. 
by Old Testament Jewish law, yes, but not by Roman law. So Jesus kind of handled both issues. Tremendous wisdom here. Yeah, Jerry? Something I've always thought about in the story, once I started, you know, reading it down the a little bit better. When the, when the Pharisees walked in with the adulterous woman, they slept to Jesus, and he completely ignored them. They're not used to that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, did like, I say that loud enough? Surely he heard me. Let me say it again. <laughs> yeah, they were just dismissed. Sometimes silence will say a whole lot more than words. This was one of those times. Where are your accusers? Satan accuses you before the Lord regularly. And what about the accusations that he makes? Do you suppose they're true or false? False. Accusations that Satan makes against us? Yeah. Probably true. Probably true. Yeah. I don't find a scripture saying this, but I know that when Satan accuses me, whether Jesus says it or not, if he ha- if he did say something, I think I know what he would say. I have paid for that. That's right. You paid for it all. Yeah. I paid for that. Let me use it now for my glory. <laughs> Is your sin covered? Sin's taken away. Yeah. Taken away, yeah. Washed away. It used to be covered yeah. by Old Testament, for Old Testament saints. But it's not anymore. John taught us that. When he saw Jesus walking from Galilee, coming down to Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, I don't know if it was polite to point back then or not, but Based on what John said, I'm pretty sure he was pointing. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So. She was not put to death. No, she was not put to death. No, she wasn't. Have you ever read the Old Testament and thought about how cool it would have been to be there and back in those days and see all that that went on? <laughs> Jerry was saying no, 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 no. The Garden of Eden would have been cool. I was like the first I figured I'd just wait and watch the movie later. <laughs> it's faster. You know what I think about with Elijah? When he would walk in and the children calling ball, Eddie, you ball, Eddie, and the bears came out and he the 40 kids. Oh, like, oh, my God. Every time I read that, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there are some things after people do that are just not very smart. <laughs> Disrespecting a man of God is not very smart. More special angel. How you treat widows, you know, I know that the scam calls are specifically designed for old people and widows and widowers and people that they think are easy targets. God help anybody that is involved in that kind of stuff. Lord help them because the Lord doesn't forget about stuff like that. 
He says he won't hold us guiltless who takes his name in vain. They're just things that people do commonly that if they, if they knew what they were doing, surely they would stop. He said, well, everybody's a sinner. Well, that's true. Everybody's a sinner, but not everybody commits all those sins. There are consequences, divine consequences for certain things. And be, you'd be very well advised to stay away from those areas of life. You don't mistreat orphans. You don't mistreat widows. You don't dishonor God's men. Have I ever been disrespected? Um, yeah. Have I prayed for them? Yes. Kind of like what Jesus, wanted, what he said on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What comments do you have about this? What do you notice about this story with this woman? I thought it was interesting that the, the actual person who committed the crime wasn't there. And they, the, the Pharisees knew the law, that if they had a false witness... It's like someone saying, telling you something by hearsay. You're a false witness when you're going by hearsay. And, well, uh, they knew the law that if they were going to do that, the same scripture read Deuteronomy said that the stony would turn around on them. Did the woman deny having done this? No. She didn't say that. No, she didn't. She was. They weren't going to listen to her. Lisa? Well, he didn't like just rail against her and go on and on and on and on about what she was doing and what she'd done. He just said, don't send them Was that a general statement that she should now not be a sinner anymore? That she, or, or is he talking about this specific sin? It's pretty obvious what he's talking about. Yeah. I think that's how he handles us a lot of times, too. I mean, because we know when we're... You know our sins. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't have to rail against us about our sin. We've railed against ourselves by that point. It's a good lesson for parents uh, of children to not go on and on and on and on because they just shut it out. It's kind of interesting, too, that uh, she might have realized that now she has a choice. You know, and, and before, maybe that's her lifestyle. It may, I, I don't know. It, it's possible. One of the things that occurred to me, it's probably just my weird thinking, but it says the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in his midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And I'm thinking, what kind of a snake do these guys have to be to be an eyewitness to this? Why was she spied on I mean, what are they peeping toms? What what are they? What are they? You know. It, it always seemed to me it was like it was a setup. Yeah. They, yeah. They got, her, they got whatever idiot to. Yeah, George, you know how handsome you are. You could do this for us. You get you you get her sucked into this, and we'll. But we'll let you go. Yeah, we're not going to charge you. This is this is. Yeah, this is, I think you're right, Bob. This had to be a setup. Yeah, well, that, I always saw it as a setup. I've never seen it as anything other than, because, yeah, for that one reason that uh, they didn't charge the the counterpart, the man. And it's it just seemed like, you know, you know, 
we want something, you know, and they, obviously they didn't think it out. The other thing here, it says, Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives, which he went away from the city in order to get away from people to be able to have five minutes that he could rest. It says, early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him. So you're not talking about Jesus sitting there writing on the ground. You're talking about he's in the temple teaching a bunch of people. And they barge into the midst of this. When they heard it, being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the elders, even to the last. Is that talking about the scribes and Pharisees? Just, or is that talking about the whole crowd? I, I can't see the, the scribes and Pharisees after having orchestrated this setup, being, having a conscience to be noticed in the first place but they're here in front of all these people and they're all walking away because they know that none of them were qualified to cast that stone and if one of them dared pick up a stone they'd look at him and you hypocrite you (laughs) i mean so they all left (laughs) i think that being convicted by their own conscience was more the main crowd I can't see the scribes and Pharisees that set this up having enough of a conscience to be guilty of or convicted by. But Jesus has a way. Yeah, we. I mean, you're there in front of the Creator Himself. So okay. another thing that just come to mind real quick from the from the eldest to the least to the last. Yeah, starting with the older it's, ones. It's like, well, if he's not right, then obviously I'm not right. It was a domino effect working down by conviction. Yeah. Because if it was if it was in reverse, it's like, yeah, you're probably not right. Then someone would have probably held themselves a little bit higher to the to the mark in their own thought. Yeah. Well, the older ones had more sin. Yeah. Because they'd been around longer. That doesn't, that doesn't bode well for us old people. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, go ahead. One, one important thing that we didn't mention yet on this and that we always talk about. Uh, so the woman caught in the hat. But what Pharisees doing, looking in the window? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. A bunch of peeping toms or something. What? 